talking with someone uh, earlier. We were talking about Father's Day, and they, they ranked the holidays. Uh, and so Christmas was number one, of course. Uh, Mother's Day was number two. Uh, Father's Day was 20. <laughs> Arbor Day was nine. So, uh, so we're not doing too well, are we? <laughs> Way behind Arbor Day. I was thinking about, I, I, I love being a dad. I love being a dad. Uh, my children were always a, a delight most of the time. Uh, Landon, our, our firstborn, was, uh, he was he was funny. He was a lot of fun. Uh, for, still is funny and still a lot of fun from the minute he was born when he was three or four, I would introduce him. I'd say, this is my son, Landon. And he would say, I can hop on one foot. <laughs> and he would commence to hop around to show that he could hop on one foot. That was just his personality. So we talked to him and said, you know, Landon, it's not good to brag on yourself about what you can do. So the next time we introduced him to somebody, he said, I can hop on one foot, but I'm not supposed to drag on myself. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, then Lauren came along, and Lauren, you know, the, the, the girl in the middle of the mix, uh, totally different, totally uh, than the boys, uh, brought a lot of joy into our life. She's, uh, she's very artistic. She's, was always, she always loved crafts and art, and all of, sometimes she was little. She still does. Uh, and when, when we would have church back then, uh, and we had Sunday school, she would go around after church and collect all the unused papers, all the Sunday school papers. And she, every Sunday she did this. She had stacks and stacks of old Sunday school papers that she was going to use for crafts and stuff like that. So one day, Tina was trying to, you know, get rid of some of that stuff. And so she snuck it into the trash can in the kitchen so that, you know, she wouldn't see it. And later that day, when she threw something in the trash, she opened that trash and she said, somebody did this. <laughs> she had a lisp, but that's not very nice. That's not very nice. Somebody did this. And what's amazing is that she did the same. same Etta had a bunch of papers. And uh, Etta found them and said the exact same thing. It's like, it's like it runs in the family. So... And then Logan, the, the tailgate, uh, you know, Logan was the last, uh, and uh, <laughs> he, was, uh, he was so much, he was a lot of fun. And uh, if, you, if, you ever, if you've had a five-year-old yet, five-year-olds are, are when they're asking a lot of questions uh, about everything all the time, and Logan was asking lots of questions. He was with my dad. My dad was, my mom and dad were keeping them for something, and uh, my dad said to Logan, Logan, you've asked me every question in the book. And Logan said, which book? <laughs> so if you know Logan, that's, uh, that's pretty typical. Uh, also, after the service, if I forget to say this, after the service, for all the dads, we've got popsicles for the pops. So... There's some chocolate, there's some Dove bars, there's some other bars. There's no sugar-free bars, so 
because they didn't, they don't care about Jack Bacon and I. They just, you know, so. All right. So I, w- I want to talk today about the father heart of God. I want to talk about how God loves us like a father. Marshall Siegel says this, we, we all have a father, and regardless of whether he was present or absent, affectionate or distant, tender or tough or worse, he shaped us far more than we often realize. In painful cases, more than we want. Our earthly fathers not only shaped who we are, how we think and feel and behave, but they also inevitably alter, for better or for worse, how we think, feel, behave, and respond to the love of God. So I want to talk today, this morning, I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about God's extravagant love for us and what that means. I want to talk about God's extravagant generosity and how God has been generous and is generous with us. And I want to talk about God's extravagant care. These are just three things. I mean, there are, there are literally hundreds of things we could talk about in the nature and character of God. But I want to talk about the father heart of God and how God feels about you as a father. Ephesians 3.14 says this. For this reason, I bow my knees. Paul is praying for the Ephesian church. And so he's, he's, he's praying that they'll grasp these truths, that they'll get this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, the Father. I want you to, he says it's not a Father, he's the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. God is the Father before all fathers. He's the Father that every fatherhood should be based on. And so as the Father, he is extravagant in his love for us. He loves us incredibly. Uh, I love the way when we see the picture of Jesus and when Jesus begins his ministry, I love the way that the Father delights in Jesus. I, I, I love the way how, he, how he's, he's proud of who Jesus is. In Matthew 3.16, when Jesus was baptized and he came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him, and behold, a voice out of the heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So when Jesus begins his public ministry, he gets this this proclamation, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Matthew 17, 14, further in his ministry at the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus has gone up on the mountain. He's taken Peter, James, and John on the mountain with him, and there they see Moses and Elijah is there with Jesus on the mountain. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll make three tabernacles here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Now, this is not too long after, (laughs) this is right after Jesus said how he was going to suffer and Peter rebuked him. And Jesus said, get, get behind me, Satan, because you don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. So he's just been rebuked because he tried to correct Jesus. So in this, God says, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. You know, in the sense, Peter, shut up. Stop talking. Listen. This is a place for listening. This isn't a place for talking. So, so we see that twice uh, 
publicly, Jesus, or God the Father, makes this proclamation about Jesus that this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well I think Jesus heard this all the time from the Father. I think one of the things that drew Jesus to prayer is that when he was in prayer, he would hear the voice of the Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. But, you know, and you think, well, of course God loves Jesus because he's Jesus. I mean, he's sinless. Why would he love me? Yes, he delights in Jesus, but does he delight in me? Why would he delight in me? Why would God delight in me in the same way he delights in Jesus? Well, he delights in us because he loved Jesus and he loves us too. Because of Jesus. John chapter 17, verse 22. Jesus says this, and he's praying to the Father. The glory which you've given me, I've given to them. He's talking to his disciples. That they may be one just as we are one, and I and them, and you and me, that they may, may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Did you get this? And love them even as you have loved me. God loves you the same way he loves Jesus. Now think about that. <laughs> That's pretty incredible, isn't it? And love them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. I mean, you think about this. You love them even as you have loved me. This is, that's incredible. Get that. Wrap your mind around that. Get, try to comprehend that. God loves you the way he loves Jesus. God, thank you for that amen. God loves you the way he loves Jesus. John 16, 27, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. Because we believe in Jesus and have accepted him as Lord and Savior, he loves us in the same way that he loves his own son. And this is incredible. If you can understand the Father, our heart of God, and understand how much he loves you and how extravagant his love is for you, how tenacious his love is for you, it changes how you'll deal with everything in life because you understand who you are and where you stand in relationship to the love of God. You see, in Christ, God will never love you more. You'll never be more loved than you are right now. God will never love you more. When you get to heaven, God's not going to love you more than he loves you now. When we're in the presence of God for eternity, God's not going to love you more. Now, how you're experiencing it will change, but God's love for you doesn't change. It doesn't shift. It doesn't move when you do something stupid. You'd go out and say, oh, I'm going to have to hold this one at a distance. He's been a little dumb right now. No. God, God will never love you more than he loves you right now. And here's the good news. 
he'll never love you less. Why? Because, because Jesus did it. In Christ, he'll never love you more. In Christ, he'll never love you less. He will always delight in you. So that's the extravagant love of God. Get a hold of that. Understand the extravagant love of God. It, 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 it seeks us out. It pursues us. It, it runs after us. When we're prodigals, it doesn't give up on us. When we're the lost sheep, he goes after us. When we're the lost coin, he does everything to restore us. Then God is extravagantly generous. He's, he's a generous God. 1 John 4, 9. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Isn't that amazing? I mean, think about that. I mean, we would love God. We love him because he first loved us. But he loved us, which is amazing, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He sent his son to be the full payment for our sins. That's why Jesus was able to say on the cross, it's finished. When Jesus cried out with a loud voice, it is finished, the statement that he's making was the the sins have been paid for. See, our sins were a barrier between us and God. They, They hindered our relationship. We couldn't have a relationship with God because of our sin. And Jesus took the sin barrier away so that we could receive the generous, extravagant love of God. Matthew 7, 11. If you then being evil, Jesus is talking about how the Father loves us. Know how to give good gifts to your children How much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask? Jesus said, in comparison to God, we're all evil fathers. In comparison to how God loves, see the difference between the worst heavenly father and the best earthly father is minuscule compared to the gap between us and our heavenly father. We're evil in comparison. But God loves, God loves to give us good gifts. Romans 8, 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons, which we cry out, Abba, Father. Another way of saying that is we're saying it's, it's a term of endearment. It's like daddy, daddy. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, we're heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Read that again. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us, for the anxious longing waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. So we get these incredible gifts. God gives us these good gifts. He loves us. 
How much more will the Father give good gifts to his own children? Good gifts. What does he give us? Well, he makes us his heirs. <laughs> we're, we're heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. I, I can't even comprehend this. I, I can't understand But somehow, because of what Jesus has done, now we receive sonship in Christ and our inheritance in heaven is everything Jesus gets, we get. I don't even know how that's going to work. It's just... it. It, it blows my mind to think of this great inheritance that we have. We have these good gifts. So what do we get? We get Jesus. We get sonship. We get eternity. We get God. I mean, what's, what's our inheritance? It's God. It's not, you know, streets of gold. It's God. We get this glorious inheritance. It's, it's incredible. Good gifts that he just pours out upon us. I mean, everything else is breadcrumbs compared to this. Everything in this world is nothing compared to this. Jesus said, telling his disciples, hey, you know, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. It appears that God's plan is to move us all back home so we can all be together for eternity. Think about this. You see, in Jesus' day, uh, when a father had children, they would have a household, and he probably, the father had a household uh, because he had a house, he had built a house onto his father's house. So he had built a house onto his father's house. So then when he got betrothed to get married, uh, he would go and start working on his house. And he would build his house next to his father's house. I think we need to go back to this. This is a pretty good plan. You think about it. So you have multiple generations that are living together. So you've got the, the grandparents and and the parents, and then the children, the grown children, and then the grandchildren are all living together. So you've got, on this end of it, you've got built-in daycare. I mean, think about the money you spend on daycare, right? And then on the other end of it, you have built-in retirement home. You've got somebody to change diapers at both ends of the spectrum. <laughs> That's all the family together. I see. I the best thing. I mean, we're having Father's Day today. The best thing to me, I, they're all going to be at the house. That's. Very, I mean, every parent you would ask in here, what's the best thing about being a parent? What's the very best thing you can get is to have your kids around. That, I mean, you love that. I mean, you know, you young, you, you people that have young children, you're saying, give me a break, give me a break. But you just love having your kids. And I tell you, you think, oh, I can't wait. I need a break. And then if you get one in about 24 hours, you'll think, oh, I'm missing the kids so much. 
You just, and see that, and this is what heaven's going to be. See, God created us for relationship. God is about relationship. He's, he's building an eternal home for us. It's, gonna, it's eternal relationship. It's relationship. It's, it's going to be glorious to be together in the presence of the Lord together, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's going to be incredible to have our family together with the Lord eternally. That's why we want all of you to go. We don't want anybody missing. Right? <laughs> so God's going to move us all back home. We're all going to be... Uh, Millennials. <laughs> God cares for us extravagantly. Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus. And Lazarus had been dead for four days. Jesus said to Martha, tell him to remove the stone. And Martha said... There'll be a stench because he's been dead four days. He said, move it anyway. So they removed the stone and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I thank you that you've heard me. I, I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said, so that, you, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he did, of course. What's interesting about this is that understanding that God hears us when we pray. I mean, one of the things of love is attention. And God gives us his attention. He listens. He's a listening God. He cares about what you're going through. He, he cares about the minute de details of your life. He's concerned about everything that you're concerned about. He extravagantly cares for us. 1 John 5, 4, 14, this is the confidence we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God hears us when we pray. And, and he puts this uh, disclaimer in here because he knows that sometimes we'll pray dumb prayers. Right? So if we pray anything according to his will. And sometimes we're not sure what God's will is. We don't have, we're not exactly sure what God's will is. But we pray according to his will. And when we pray, he hears us. That's an incredible promise. He hears us. And he always answers us. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says, not yet, or wait. But it's always when God, whatever God says, is always out of love with the combination of what is best in the present and what is best eternally. He's always working for our good. He's causing all things to work together for our good. Those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So we know this even with our children, that our children will sometimes ask for things that they don't understand what they're asking for, right? And you have to say, no, 
You can't do that. And Lincoln's going to say every time, why? 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 He will why you to death. And we do it with God. God says no or wait. And we say, why? I don't like that answer. It's always because he loves us. And it's always because he knows more than we know. And he knows the future. Because sometimes we get stuck, just like children, we get stuck with now. It's what I want now. And God's not working now. He's working eternally. He's got a better plan. 1 Peter 5, 6. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. There's a time that God's going to raise you up. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. How much of your anxiety should you cast on the Lord? Casting all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. See, if you, if you don't believe God cares for you, then you'll worry. Worry is a declaration. No matter how, there's no way around this. Worry is a declaration that I can handle this better than God can. So he's saying don't worry because you can't worry, you can't have anxiety and faith at the same time. You have to step outside of anxiety and said, okay, I'm going to give this to God. I'm going to trust this to God because this is bigger than I can handle. I can't solve it. So I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to cast my anxiety upon the Lord because he cares for me. Why does the Lord want us to do this? The Lord wants you to show your children how to trust him and lay your problems on him. It's okay for you to tell the kids, kids, there's something we need to pray about today. We don't know what the answer is. We don't know what the solution is right now, but God knows. We put our trust in God, and we've seen God deliver us over and over again. God has always been faithful. God's always been true, and we've been through difficulty. We've been through storms. We've been through problems, but we trust God, and we put our trust in God right now. So kids, let's, let's together, let's cast our anxiety on him. Let's decide not to worry. Don't teach your children to worry. Teach your children to pray and trust God. You want to pass on your faith, not your fear. Because your God wants to extravagantly care for you. He cares for you. Why, why can we pray like this? Because he cares for us. Casting all your cares upon him because he cares. So we put our trust and our care in him. Amen. 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 All right. Let's stand together. I want us to pray this last prayer together. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. Then we may even sing again. Matthew 6. Jesus said, pray then this way. Just pray with me. 
Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 I'm praying for you today that you would just get a glimpse of how much God loves you. His extravagant love, his extravagant generosity, his great care. And this is just the beginning. <laughs> you know, what about his mercy and his grace and his faithfulness and his compassion and his, his presence, his power, his wisdom? We could go on and on about how much God loves you and his goodness towards us, but he wants you to know Jesus came that you would know the love of the Father. He took our sins so that every barrier could be removed, so that we could have an eternal relationship with God that is going to be more glorious than we can imagine. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Amen. Amen. Have a great Father's Day. Don't forget your popsicles, pops on the way out. If you need prayer for anything, we'll have some people here at the front to pray for you. I love you. See you next week.